Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, uh, starring myself, Marcus, and my main man, Frankie, and as a special guest today, my former college teammate from Hofstra University, Mr. Jan Leitner. Jan and I played doubles for uh, three years out of our college career, from sophomore until seniors. We had a fantastic time at Hofstra, um, and he is now uh, studying to be a doctor in Germany, but is kind enough to... Uh, cut free from his hospital shift kind of let some people die there so um that we, we can talk about tennis so uh jan welcome to the show thanks guys thanks for having me i'm actually pretty excited to be doing this um it's the first time i'm doing a podcast so really really excited yeah it's nice nice to see that you're up to a, a bunch of failure becoming a, a doctor after being a collegiate athlete really really good example we're setting for the listeners <laughs> Oh, man, don't get into them too early. Anyways, um, today we're going to be continuing our three-part series about uh, why American tennis is kind of going down the drain. Um, <laughs> really ironic we're... that we're doing this podcast after Taylor Fritz just did what he did, by the way. Really good stuff, everyone. Uh, well, our listeners didn't need to know that, but now they do. So thanks, Frank. Um, <laughs> per usual, can't keep his mouth shut. Um, so now <laughs> what we wanted to get basically, uh, folks, is we wanted to get the European kind of uh, view on, on American tennis and kind of the differences between the two systems. And we didn't, we couldn't think of a better person to bring on than Jan since Jan grew up playing in Germany and all around Europe and various tournaments and stuff. Uh, and then when he was 18, he came over to the U.S., played a year at uh, Wisconsin Green Bay, and then transferred to Hofstra, where he played with me for a few years. And he's had experience coaching uh, in America as well as playing a lot, um, and same in Germany. So we thought that he would be a, a good guest. So Jan, kind of the first question that we want to you know go over with you is tell us a little bit basically about yourself and you know your your tennis journey, Jan. Altogether, how did you get started? You know, where has tennis taken you? Well, so um, I started playing tennis when I was like five years old, I guess. Um, my dad kind of introduced me to the sport. Um, he was the one who bought me my first racket. Um, when I was eight or so, I think I started to play my first um, tournaments, national tournaments. That was um, also the time when I um, started to take professional lessons. Um, later, I also played international tournaments on the Tennis Europe Tour, which is kind of like the ITF Junior Tour, uh, just for under 16 um, in Europe. And, you know, that's uh, this was also the time when I when I noticed that um, tennis is really the sport that I'm really passionate about. And as you said, Marcus, you know, when I when I finished high school in 2015, um, I decided to, to go to the States, uh, play college tennis. Um, you know, I spent my first year at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, um, then decided to transfer to New York to Hofstra University. Um, this is how how you and I met, and um, yeah, I, I left Hofstra, left the states in twenty uh, nah, twenty nineteen, and uh, since then I'm back in Germany. You know, still playing tennis um, and uh, studying medicine. So this is kind of how I uh, grew up. Um, this is kind of like my my tennis journey. Thank you for sharing that, Jan. And uh, Frank, let, let's get into kind of, you know, the background as far as like kind of the differences between, you know, the German-American tennis system. So Jan, if you can kind of explain to our audience, like how in general the European and, and German, you know, it doesn't have to be specific to German, but just general kind of the European tennis system works in terms of, you know, junior development, uh, you know, the tournament kind of calendar, uh, how the federations are involved in these nations and just kind of the overall outlook and how society kind of views tennis and maybe not even just tennis, but just sports in general. 
Okay, let me talk a little bit about a little bit about player development and how the federation is involved. So um, there's funding provided both on like a state level and like a federal level, I would say. Um, for like the state level, it's for like top five of each age group in, in each stage. You know, in my case, it was the state of Bavaria. You know, I grew up in, in a town close to Munich. And um, the funding that is being provided on like a federal level um, is for the top guys in Germany, you know, like top five of each age group in Germany. And um, the way it works or the way young players are developed is that you work closely with your local coach and then you also work closely with like coaches that are responsible for the program, you know, that oversee the the, the overall development of each player in this program. And they would like closely communicate with um your local coach and, um, you know, tell them what you should be working on, you know, what you should be doing in order to like, like play professionally later, um, if you want to do this. And, um, you know, once a month, um, I think it was once a month, um, we would like all players in this program, you know, they would meet up for like a weekend. We would train together, you know, practice together. And, um, you know, the, the coaches would check, you know, where progress has, has been made, you know, and um, they would also like look at the areas of our games that we would um, still be working or we would still have to work on, you know. And, um, you know, there's just a, like a close communication between your, your personal coach at home, you know, your private coach and like the, the coaches that are responsible for the program. So um, this is kind of like how player development is being done um, at a young, young age, you know. Um, if you're part of one of those programs, you know, like a state program or like a federal program, um, then you also get financial aid, which is pretty, pretty important. You know, tennis is a pretty expensive sport and, um, what they also do and what I was really, you know, um, getting a lot, uh, getting a lot out of it, um, was, uh, just, you know, they organize traveling, they organize, um, tournaments, you know, so, um, your parents don't have to drive you um which is really which was really important for me you know my parents were both working so um just having a lot of like practice partners and um just you know being taken to uh, to to tournaments um that's also like a like a thing that's coming out of the program which is which is pretty good um so this is kind of like how young players are developed how the federation is involved and how funding is being done so just before we head on to our next question um would you say that tennis is viewed as like a country club sport or like a, a sport that's only for like the wealthy in, in Germany? Because in, in America, I think that that is something that has historically been very true. Maybe it's like waning off a little bit here, but I still think for the most part, tennis is still viewed as sort of like the country club, you know, all whites, all whites apparel like sport. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, the thing is here in Germany, I think most people are actually, or most parents would take their kids to like a soccer club, you know, just because it's, it's pretty, it isn't as expensive, you know, you don't have to like pay for a private coach. Um, and um, I think there's actually some change going on right now. Um, I noticed or when I last spoke to like my, my local coach at home. Um, so he's trying to make tennis more affordable to, people or to kids of every age group and um, also every income, you know, like um, regardless of the, the income of their parents. Um, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to like actually go into high schools, you know, they were trying to, um, you know, once or twice a week to give free lessons to, to kids, um, 
to uh, just get them into the sport, you know, and um, just give them the ability or like, give them the, the opportunity to play for free, you know. Um, and um, a lot of my friends who actually also play tennis, you know, when they were younger, their parents couldn't afford like private co- uh, private lessons. So um, I guess this is still a thing in Germany, you know. And yeah, um, I think I think that yeah. makes sense. Um, so I think. I think the next question that we sort of had now that you're coming now you sort of explain like what it was like for you growing up and all the experiences that you had there in, in Germany when you came to America you went to Wisconsin Green Bay what was sort of what were the what were the thoughts that you had whether it was from like a, a gameplay style of how of how the game is played here or you know what were what were some of the shocks that 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 happened for you um so I was really excited actually to come to the states you know because um we don't really have this kind of like combination of academics and athletics in germany um it's mainly just if you if you do want to like study you go to school you know you you go to university but there's no combination of playing tennis in school and um this is actually what i was really excited about um just to like compete as a team you know um having amazing facilities i would say having a personal coach, athletic trainers, like people that take care of your body. Um, it just doesn't really exist at home. You know, it's more like you, you have your private coach at home, but if you like want to like work out, you know, you just have to do that by yourself. Um, you know, when I came to States uh, the first time in 2015, um, I actually, I was, I was pretty home. Like I was pretty, you know, very homesick. Um, I've, I've actually never been to, um to the states before um you know um the game style is pretty much the same as in germany i would say i just really had to get used to like hard courts you know um really had to get used to pressure you know uh, pressure in college of you know i guess you have to perform you know um and i didn't really know that before so that was kind of like the the biggest issue that i had to deal with you know just you know being away from home but also like having the pressure of like having to compete um and um you know adjusting to like a new surface you know um having to adjust to like you know what is expected of you that you have to perform like from like the first day and that was kind of like the biggest challenge that I had to face i guess yeah I, I i agree with that jan in in the sense that i mean there are a lot of international players in college tennis so you know I mean, your first team, you had you played, you know, with a bunch of Brits and our team, you know, we had, we had guys from New Zealand, France, uh, you know, Germany, Brazil. So the, the play styles are kind of a little bit mishmashy. I probably played a more American style than most since I hit the ball relatively flat. I grew up on, you know, fast, hard courts. So um, that, that's kind of how I played. But just kind of to harp back on, on your point before is that, you know, basically within these kind of systems in America and, and this doesn't necessarily go for college because colleges obviously fund their programs, but our States uh, don't actually fund our tennis really. Um, the USTA makes all the revenue from the U S open. And I don't know what the USTA kind of does with it. They poured it into the USTA national campus in Florida, which is an amazing campus and it's a great idea, but this kind of idea that they can kind of flow that money around to local private coaches so that you can actually develop a system kind of like a feeder system for that players like you know myself and you can kind of have that opportunity to really still play high level tennis and not such an extreme cost is something that's missing here I was very fortunate here in New York that my father basically kind of knew how to navigate things and 
negotiated hard. He also knew how to play tennis himself. Um, but even when I went to Germany, I used to get free uh, free lessons from the state, and I didn't. You know, I lived there for like a month or two in the summer. That was basically about it. But yeah, um, as far as like the what else are like the differences? Would you say, Jan, that you noticed not just specifically in college? But, you know, I know that when you came to Hofstra, you kind of got a more of a broader view of the American tennis system because you and I would work at clubs. We would teach tennis. We would go play at, you know, these indoor clubs like Sport Time around here where you would see kind of junior development going on. What were the differences that you saw there that maybe you didn't get to see in Green Bay? You know, one of the biggest differences, I guess I would say, is that you guys, as far as I know, you don't really have like a summer league, you know. Um, I think in Germany, it's all about like being part of a club. Um, you join a club, you know, most people, I, I joined a club when I uh, when I wanted to hit with that local coach, you know, because usually local coaches, they work with local clubs. And this is kind of how you get into the sport, you know, you join a club and then you start like playing for like, or you join one of those teams that the club offers. In my case, it would be like the men's teams. Um, there's also teams for like kids, you know, for juniors under 18, for women, for, um, over 30. So, um, just for every age group, you know, and, um, this is also like a big difference, you know, when you, uh, what, what I felt when you, when you finish college, um, in, in the States, there's just nothing really, if you, I mean, you can go bro, you know, if you want, you can play professionally, but just nothing really coming after. And uh, the difference I think to Germany is, or, to, to, to Europe in general that um, there's tennis is more like a like a club thing you know you join one of those clubs you you play in one of those teams and um, then um, you have summer league or winter league and there's a lot of people that you can hit with you know you kind of get sucked into the system but it's a good system you know because you compete with a lot of good players and you can actually play on like a very professional level. Yeah, Frank, this is something that I've kind of talked to you about as well, that, you know, I'm going to be doing this summer. Um, part of the reason why, honestly, I'm going to Germany this summer, because I used to play in a club team back then, and now I'm playing for one in Berlin this summer. And that's not something that we have here. You and I both have experiences with the kind of the USTA league system. And I'm putting my fingers in air quotes, league. Um, because, I mean, as you know, so Jan, in case you didn't know, basically, these, these USTA leagues are like very haphazard organized. They're very sporadic you know there's like 50 guys on a team you know it's like okay you know you'll text in the group chat who wants to play tonight some people are like oh i'll play and then you know 30 minutes before the match will be like oh you know what i can't make it sorry and then you know there's no kind of like there's no camaraderie there's no organization there's no like you're really playing for a club right or you're playing you know this is like you guys get together every sunday like this is what you do you know you sit after the match you have you know drinks and and food and you know there's not really not really that kind of communal uh, kind of system here and that's kind of what I, I think is missing from here Frank and that we would honestly really enjoy here I think it's I think it's the number one thing that that separates um, Europe the European system as a whole from America is that <clears throat> the communal aspect that you guys are talking about that's what keeps people playing the game right like after you like what Jan said I think is, is perfect in the sense of once you finish college here like you're effectively just like out in the wilderness, like on your own, like it, like, and Marcus can attest to this, like the amount of people that we know who played college tennis. And then the second, like they get a corporate job, they're just like, yep, I'm done now. And like, it, it happens all of the time. Um, and that's not to say that the USCA leagues are necessarily bad. Like some of them are good. Um, like I, I like the one that I'm in, like I've enjoyed all my teammates and and meeting them and it's given me like a nice, sort of outlet of like people I can play with. 
But at the same time, it is incredibly expensive. That's number one. The leagues can really start to rack up in cost once you start to play because you've got to play all your pay all your match fees and everything like that. And it can be very expensive in New York in the winter. Um, and B, like it's really rolling the dice in terms of who your captain is for the team. Because if you don't have a good captain on your team, and I'm very fortunate that I've had good captains on all the teams that I've been on, but like if you don't have a good captain, like it's going to be exactly what Marcus just described. Just like an hour before the match. Hey guys, who can make it here, here, here at like one hour. And then like, it's just a complete hodgepodge of who's, you know, going to that match. So I think, I think that's something that is so desperately needed here. And I think that the whole team culture as a whole, even from a junior development perspective is something that's very needed here. Um, Because I think kids when they're younger, like, yes, the individualistic parts of tennis are, I think, what separates it from every other sport. But the team parts of it are what's going to make a kid, like, actually enjoy it and want to play. Like, especially with all his, like, little friends and whatever. Um, I think that's something that we really need to start doing here more. Because, like, even I can remember in my junior days and Marcus, you too, like, that doesn't exist. Like, that's not a thing that is on the junior level in terms of like, Oh, like let's have a junior, like 14 and under team. And like, we'll compete and go around. Like that's not a thing. Um, and I wish it was a thing. Cause I think that that's something that would really draw in a lot more people to play the game. Yeah. Frank, I think that that's also part of the reason why you and I loved high school tennis so much is that we didn't have that kind of team aspect really growing up. I remember I played like maybe one junior team tennis thing, but it was like a fluke that it happened and I got the high school. And I mean, honestly, I, you know, I could have been one of those guys who said, oh, I'm too good to play high school or whatever. But I was like, you know what? I want to play because this is so much fun. It's playing on a team. You get to meet other guys. You get to hang out with other guys. You get to go around to other schools and play against them. Frank, you and I used to play doubles against each other, you know, yeah, like that was that. No, but like but like, honestly, those are some of my best like high school memories are like playing on the high school tennis team. And like whenever we would play Cardozo, like I knew I was going to be playing you and I would have a ball. And like it would just be completely messing around with each other for, you know, two hours on a Tuesday at, you know, 4 p.m. at like 35 degrees Fahrenheit temperatures. So, yeah, no, can't beat that. Can't beat that. Jan, I wish you were there for those matches. Although we've had some good college ones, too. We got to do another episode just for that. Talk about that St. Peter's match. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Speaking of St. Peter's, they're playing in the uh, tournament tonight. Let's go. NCAA, March Madness. They beat Kentucky. That's outrageous. I I mean, it's hilarious is what it is. Uh, Let's go. Let's go Peacocks. Oh, man. Oh, boy. I saw that, Jan, and I was like, man, yeah, I remember winning that match with four players. Yeah, I I remember that match. That was actually a great match. (laughs) We I remember we played in that bubble, right? Of like courts that were really shitty. So uh, Yeah, they were we we only had five guys. Four. Four only four guys. And I think we we won four three, right? And I was the only one to lose my singles match. Yeah, I mean you played a ten foot Polish guy who Yeah, that really sucked. Wrecked the ball. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. Anyways, Frank, we'll tell you that story. I'll tell you that story after this. I can't believe you played Jersey Janovich in, in college. That's awesome. Really good stuff. L- he literally played a Jersey Janovich, <laughs> like a college version of Jersey Janovich. It was insane. I felt so bad for him. He was just like Jan, like because Jan plays like a very like good like steady style, but like against like a really tall dude who just whacks the ball, it, it just not not his. And the courts were super fast. It was like cold. Yeah. Oh, the whole thing. Anyways, now see now we went on the tangent. That way, I, no, we predicted that. Um, yeah, 
in your opinion, you've seen the American system, you've seen the German slash European system. Which system do you think is superior in in terms of developing better tennis players, not only on the professional level, but also on the amateur level? Well, um, I think the combination of both systems will be perfect. Um, you know, the the collegiate system in the States, with, um, like you get a degree, um, you study and you still play tennis. Um, it's, it's amazing, you know, I mean, um, just having your, your personal coach, you know, being able to travel with your team, you know, um, having a, like having organized practices, you know, having, um, athletic trainers that take care of your body and stuff like that. So, that's a very good system, I think. And um, if you're uh, like fresh out of high school and you do want to get better, you know, you you might be thinking about like turning pro. Um, then college is like the best way to go, I guess. Um, you know, because it prepares your body um, for what what's coming after college. You know, if you do want to um, go pro. Um, but it was um, you know, as I said before, you know, um, just knowing that if you maybe don't want to go pro, you know, after college, um, then I guess. Um, having the European system with um, tennis being like a, like a club thing, you know, um, being part of like a club and um, joining one of those teams and competing against um, other guys, you know, and um, the system actually in Germany or like those games are actually pretty competitive, you know, um, there's a lot of people coming out to watch those matches. So I think both systems, if you combine both systems, um, it's, this is, this is pretty good, you know, and um, this is what um, professional players, but also like, people that are like playing on like an amateur level um could best profit from yeah i think that i i i i think you're pretty spot on there i think that's probably the combination of the both is 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 probably more is probably the correct thing to do um going forward um i guess in in your opinion jan why do you like when you're coming from an outside perspective like at least for us growing up, it was always America was like dominant at tennis, like always fantastic, like always consistently had like top five player in the world. There was an American there. Now that you've we sort of gone over like the summary of both systems and what's good, what's bad. Where like what do you think? Like, basically, do you think America has hope to come back in tennis? Because honestly, like, as an American, like, I, I, I am really, like, I am very bearish on our development in the men's game and even on the women's game to an extent, too. I think the women's game was very heavily carried by Serena Williams. And now that she's not going to be at the forefront, like, we're even starting to see the European women start to dominate a little bit with Iga Sviantek and Maria Sakari. Like, it's it's slowly starting to happen. Um where do you think the future sort of lies? Well, um, I think if you look at the facilities, for instance, or like the opportunities that are given in the States, you know, um, just let's just take like the, the USTA um, facility in Florida, you know, um, clay courts, amazing, you know, hard courts. So I don't really see a reason why European tennis should be dominating in the future. You know, um, I think some people say that, the reason why there's so many good European players is because they 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 grow up on clay, you know, and clay makes your game more, you know, bare, you know, it just gets more variety in your game, you know. You can hit topspin, you can hit flat, but you can also like grind, you know. Um, whereas um, Americans that are mainly growing up on hard court, um, they just hit it flat, you know. But um, I think shout out to me. 
Yeah, I'm actually, I didn't want to say your name, but you know, <laughs> you know who I was referring to, you know. Get roasted. But, Let's go. We're having but, you on, on more often. <laughs> but you know, um, from my personal experience, there's actually a change in, in the States, you know, just take New York. There's so many clay courts and um, so many people also practicing on clay courts. And um, so I don't really see a reason why European tennis should be dominating in the future. And, and if you look at Jensen Brooksby, for instance, like a very talented young American guy. Um, so there's actually a lot of good guys coming up. So um, I don't really see um, a reason why European tennis should be still dominating in the future. Yeah, and I'm think- so I'm so pumped up. You mentioned Jensen Brooksby because that is the exact person that we highlighted in the first part of this series. Yeah. That is awesome. Good lord, um, I I agree I agree on, and I think that there's another added aspect is that generally in Europe, you know, the most popular sport in every country for the most part is football, being soccer. And then right after that, it's basically you know it's it's either tennis or it's another sport, right? And in, in America, there's, I mean, I can name you like six sports that come before tennis. So all these kind of young kids growing up who, who want to be athletes that, you know, tennis has kind of taken like a way of a backseat. You know, you've got basketball, you've got football, you've got actually soccer, you've got baseball, um, you know, in the Northeast, you've got lacrosse. I mean, you saw, Jan, when, when we went to college, I mean, we would ask in our student athlete meetings, you know, hey, everybody come out to the tennis match. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, OK, sure. And you'd be like, raise your hand if you know where the tennis courts are. And they'd just be crickets. <laughs> Nobody knew where the damn tennis courts were. So that just showed some. I, I used to get asked, Frank, at Hofstra, like I would be wearing, you know, Hofstra tennis shirt. They'd be like, oh, we have a club tennis team. <laughs> like you can't you just can't make this up. Oh, that was that reminds me of a question that I wanted to ask. So in America, we have free public tennis courts for the most part, like in New York City specifically, you need a permit. But that's an that's like an exception. It's an outlier. Um, how is it like like if you want to in Germany, for example, just go and play tennis? Do you just walk onto a public court? Like explain to us how exactly that works. So um, there is no public courts, actually. Um, you, as I said before, I mean, you join a club, you know, and there's a club membership. You pay, I think it's roughly about like 150 bucks for like a for a year, and then you get to like use the courts whenever you want. Um, you don't have to be a member of the club. Then you just pay like a court fee of like five bucks, I think, for like an hour. But um, this is also why there's a lot of people playing in summer, you know, and not in winter because it's pretty affordable in summer. Um, whereas in winter, I mean, you know, you get you can rent courts for like 20 bucks an hour, which is still pretty good can like compared to, to the States. But um, yeah, this is how it works in, in, in Germany, you know, but there's no public courts. Like you can't just walk on the court. It's mainly like the courts all like always provided by um, and maintained by, by clubs and you pay the membership um, and then you get to use the courts. Yeah. Frank, that's also unique in that because you have to pay a membership to play, actually go and play tennis, even if it's only like a hundred or $150 is that it's a real commitment, right? Like you're not just, you know, going to go to a sporting goods store, buy two rackets, a can of balls and just go out there and just whack the ball around one time. Right. Like everything in, in Europe is just like kind of a commitment. It's like, okay, you want to go play tennis? All right. You have to join a club, you know, you got to pay your dues and um, you know, which you, I mean, you could go the hourly route as well, but it's more so like a commitment thing and more of a communal thing, which I think is that's kind of what's lacking here. Yeah, but I mean, we do that like I mean, again, New York is not the ex- is the exception, not the uh, not the norm. But 
I mean, New York, we still pay was like 150 bucks for the season to be able to use the New York City courts. And right. like, they suck. So <laughs> like, like uh, sorry, I mean, they suck. Um, so like if you're telling me that for 150, you know, dollars or euros, whatever, um, I would get to like have a real club and like a sense of community. And there's pros that are arranging things and leagues and teams and all these other things. I would pay like multiples of that in the United States to, to do that. Like no doubt. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that, I, that's another thing that I think like is, is, is something to highlight a, of a, of a difference between the two is that even though the United States has that free public court system, there, there are downsides to that. Like it is not perfect. Yeah, I mean it's really dependent on where you are. I mean, Jan, you when you and I went down to Florida for that one trip, you remember those public courts in Florida? I mean, they're like Yeah, they know, were they're, amazing. Yeah, they're like professional grade, you know. Here in New York, you've if you don't step I mean, even our college courts, I remember one time you almost broke your ankle like playing on our college courts during a match. <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have to do another Hofstra episode. Oh god. <laughs> anyways uh jan thank you so much for for joining us we really appreciate your time uh and you know taking the effort to do this and discussing this with us yeah totally um hope i could give you guys some insights about what it's like to play tennis in in europe and um yeah thanks for having me you're welcome back anytime as long as you keep ripping on marcus that's that's america's favorite pastime my favorite pastime and breakpoint podcasts favorite pastime oh frank wait wait until we get into you <laughs> that is unfortunately we're not going to be able to do that because that would take much longer than our supposed half hour time limit that would that would that would require an anthology series so oh, oh my god Anyways, guys, um, you can follow us on Instagram at BreakpointPodcast7. You can hit us up on Gmail, even though we know you won't, at BreakpointPodcast7 at gmail.com. Carrier Pigeon, L-I-R-R in Broadway. Just tell the pigeon to drop it off somewhere there. It'll uh, it'll pick it up. Um, Frank is no longer on Tinder, so you can't hit him up there. And uh, although I I, I think if you put your search thing wide enough, Jan is a very good looking German boy, uh, but you'd have to put the search criteria over 6,000 miles because he's located in Bavaria, but he is also on Tinder. Anyways, that wraps it up for us. Um, Have a good day. This, I mean, we're going to have words once this podcast is over. Catch you guys later. Thanks for listening. (laughs)